John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, it was a great game. I mean, a little bit scarier if you're a Seahawk fan right toward the end. But I don't know what it is. You know, Here's Pete Carroll, 69 years old. Bill Belichick, 68 years old. And every time these teams meet, they have great games. They're all determined at the one-yard line. And, of course, the one stop that was made at the one-yard line on Cam Newton uh, turned into a great one. And, of course, uh, one that L.J. Collier and Delano Hill can celebrate on because they were able to make it. But let's get into the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. Newton from the shotgun. Johnson, the fullback, wings on the left side. Newton's going to run the ball. He gets hit. He flipped up in the air. He doesn't get there. Clock ticks down. It's all zeros. What a play by the Seahawks defense. They throw their helmets. They are going nuts on the field. Cam Newton. The first time tonight, I believe they've stopped him dead in his tracks, and I believe it was Bobby Wagner who got there to do it. What an end to what a game. The Seahawks win 35-30 to over the Patriots. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a fantastic game. I mean, one that looked like the Seahawks were taking control of, particularly when they, you know, jumped off to that, uh, you know, 35-23-20 lead. And so uh, then you're thinking, okay, they're going to, they should be able to roll out the game. But of course, uh, you know, blitzes by Bill Belichick uh, kind of held things in and the Patriots were able to get the ball back. They got one score. They drove down and they got to the one yard line. And then the big stop there kind of brings back the different memory of what happened in that Super Bowl when you had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, and they ended up throwing an inside pass that uh, was intercepted. But nevertheless, uh, a great, great game. Russell Wilson was, again, fantastic. I would have to think he's up again for the uh, Offensive Player of the uh, Week in the NFC. 21 of 28, 288 yards, five touchdowns. And remember, four of those touchdowns were two wide receivers, four different receivers. Last year, the Patriots, with that great coverage group that they have, only allowed four in 16 games for the entire season. Of course, the one interception was off the hands of Greg Olson. It was taken back for a touchdown. Nevertheless, despite that, Wilson had a 132.1 quarterback rating. Then, of course, the running game, as we all expected, did come back. They were able to get 30 carries, and so I thought that the kind of the way I thought it was going to be. I think it was going to be more 50-50. 30 carries, 154 yards, and, of course, it was 28 pass attempts made. So that was kind of the way I thought it was going to go. But I'll tell you what, Cam Newton was for real. Cam was out there completing 30 of 40. 44 passes, 397 yards, and three touchdowns. Plenty of things to break down, and this we'll be doing it over the course of the next two hours as we uh, look back at a victory that now puts Seattle at a 2-0 record. Number two. Yeah, he got he got rolled up on, and, and uh, I'm not sure if it was um, his ankle or, or what it was, but he got rolled up for bidden and uh, in an unfortunate situation. I know he pissed him off and all that because it happened, but um, he got back out there and, and finished the game and did, did well. Really disappointed in Marquise Blair getting banged up. Um, I don't know how serious it is. He, he'll, he'll be getting tested MRIs and, and stuff like that to check out his knee. Um, he's been such a cool part of this team already in this early part of the season and such a significant part. So that's Pete Carroll talking about uh, the injuries. And, of course, he just got done uh, talking to uh, Danny and Gallant but didn't have any updates on what's going on with uh, Marquise Blair. And I'm kind of worried that could be a serious one. Uh, Could that be an ACL? We'll see. It's a knee injury to uh, Bruce Irvin. Sprained knee. Doesn't seem to be an ACL. But nobody knows 
right now at this stage how long he's going to be out. He tweeted out last night that he should be okay, but again, we'll have to see. As far as Dwayne Brown rolled up on, again, he was able to come back after five plays, get back in the game. Jamarco Jones filled in for him, so it looks like they dodged a bullet on that one. But again, Marquise Blair, the big concern along with Bruce Irvin as far as injuries in that second week of the season. Number three. The 0-1 pitch. Moreland with a swing and a fly ball into shallow left field on the run as Lopes over toward the line and it's going to drop in a fair ball and heading for third is Machado running third heading home the throw to the plate not in time Machado will score from second and wind it up on its second base is Mitch Moreland Tim Lopes racing over shallow down that left field line he had a long way to go and it dropped just inside fair territory and the Padres have the lead five to four and they end up losing the game in 11 innings, 7-4. to four. Starting pitcher Justin Dunn uh, made it five innings and two-thirds, only gave up three earned runs. Bullpen actually did a pretty good job until they got into the 10th and 11th inning, and that's when the Padres were able to get the victory. And so the Padres win two out of three. And Mariners right now four games back uh, for a playoff spot. There's seven games to play. So what's that? The magic number is probably, what, four right now? And, of course, it could end here pretty fast because they have to play Houston here in uh, – going that that's going to be starting tonight it's a three-game series here fortunately back at home because with all those games that had to be played on the road because of the fires and all the different uh, smoke and quality air control and all those different things uh, so they have to see if they can do something in the three games against Houston and they had Oakland coming up after that so uh, this is going to be a tough one but nevertheless hey it's a better season than anybody uh, projected and so the game time is going to be at 6:10. The pregame begins at 5 p.m. here on 7:10 ESPN Seattle. Number four. Goff makes the handoff, rolls out to his right, sets his feet, throws back left, over the top to the end zone, caught by Tyler Higby. It's a three touchdown day for Higgs. Snap to Murray, three-step drop. Fires deep middle, wide open is DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone for his first touchdown as a Cardinal. Jed McKinnon, the tail of the eye behind Juszczyk. They run the toss play. Good block by Juszczyk. Cut back inside by McKinnon. Breaks the tackle. 20, 30, 40. He's got the first down into Jet territory. Finally dropped on the Jet 34-yard line. So it was a kind of a wild Sunday in the National Football League. But I tell you, the NFC West right now is looking good. Right now, the NFC West is 7-1 and one with three teams right now with a 2-0 record. San Francisco, they somehow got the victory over the Jets, even though they were so banged up. You know, the injuries they suffered were brutal, and I think they're going to have some consequences. And part of it had to be the turf issues in uh, the in MetLife Stadium uh, because they ended up maybe having two players suffer ACL injuries including Nick Boza, Solomon Thomas, two former first-round picks. Then uh, you got Jimmy Garoppolo. He got a high ankle sprain. And then uh, Raheem Mozart uh, ended up getting an MCL sprain, so he could miss two to four weeks. And so they're in deep trouble. And, oh, by the way, guess what? They have to go back to MetLife Stadium again on uh, Sunday to play the New York Giants. That's not a good thing. Tell you, the Rams, impressive victory over the Eagles going on the road. Jared Goff threw three touchdown passes, and Carson Wentz had two interceptions. Uh, so that didn't look too good for the Eagles, and they're in big trouble right now at 0-2. Then the Cardinals uh, just destroyed the Washington football team 30-15. to Kyler uh, Murray continues to look good, 286 yards and three touchdown passes. That's 
uh, right now a good division right now, and really they may be putting up historical numbers. And if you know San Francisco can keep winning despite the injuries, hey, could all four teams be in uh, the possibility of getting into the playoffs? Wow. Number five. All right. Well, my goodness, San Francisco. They did beat the New York Jets 31-13 yesterday, but I don't know if it was bad turf at MetLife Stadium. They suffered a lot of injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo left the game at halftime with a high ankle sprain. Nick Mullins finished the game for San Francisco. Nick Bosa may have torn his ACL. He was carted off. Solomon Thomas may have suffered a knee injury, too. They're a little more optimistic on him. Raheem Mostert left the game with a knee injury, and you consider the injuries that this 49ers are already dealing with Richard Sherman, Debo Samuel. Honestly, there are more off the top of my head. I don't think I can list them all. Yeah, and of course, uh, it was pretty bad. I think it was one of the worst uh, Sundays I could ever remember for injuries, you know, because I keep track of that, uh, you know, each week as far as missed starts. And, you know, coming into the game, there was last year at this time, there was like 56 missed starts in week two, and uh, there's slightly maybe 60 so far in, in week two this week. But I'm, I'm venturing to say that you could have as many as 25 to 30 new missed starts with all the injuries suffered. We just found out that Cortland Sutton, wide receiver in Denver, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. He tore his ACL. Nick Boza, he's out for the rest of the season, torn ACL. Christian McCaffrey got a high ankle sprain. He may be out four to six weeks. Then you got Saquon Barkley, torn ACL. He's out for the season. Drew Locke, after the uh, shoulder injury, he could miss two to six weeks. Will Fuller got hurt. Devontae Adams got hurt. I mean, it was brutal. And so, uh, you know, three, two, three quarterbacks getting banged up, and we'll see how the damage is going to be done. A lot to sort out, and of course, a lot to keep up on the injury front today. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go into further review and talk about the Seahawks secondary. And should there be a concern, it's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, under further review, I guess, uh, you know, Everybody, even though it was a great victory for Seattle, a, game, a victory on a great game that uh, caused everybody to sweat toward the end and keep the anxiety going, you know, naturally there has to be criticism and just the way things are, I guess everybody expects perfection. And, you know, what's interesting right now is in the National Football League that, uh, you know, defenses are pretty much struggling. Uh, because of the fact that you know they didn't have any tackling in the preseason, no preseason games, no offseason programs, and also you know big plays and all that stuff. You know I noticed that uh, you know there's like five teams right now that are 0 and 2 that were playoff caliber teams, and some of the same issues go for them at, is the standpoint that they are giving up too many yards and too many points. I mean here's Atlanta, you know they blew a 29 to 10 lead and they rank 32nd in yards allowed. Uh, you got Philadelphia. They they're like 26th. You know, they got beat by 37 to 19 by the Rams yesterday. Then, uh, you know, Minnesota a team that prides itself on defense. They've lost their way on defense. They're 31 and these teams are all giving up 30 points a game. And you saw Seattle right now, you know, they've given up a lot of yards in passing. They've done a good job on the run stopping. That's been really two weeks in a row, but uh, are there issues right Right now in the secondary that was a conversation piece for Danny and Gallant Dunbar smartened up got aggressive he knew they were doing it he almost picked sixth one out pass to Bird and then he gets the interception I think we finally have a playmaker at cornerback for the Seahawks instead of a caretaker which is what I think you've had in Shaquille Griffin which is not to say he's a bad player 
But when you got a guy like this that can actually be aggressive, that is a game changer at corner. You certainly saw him two times fire on that out route where he was looking and he was watching the quarterback's eyes, which I was wondering. I mean, Cam's got a visor, but he was he was looking in there and he saw he saw it coming and he fired and he went. And the first one, he narrowly missed it. I'm not sure if there was the receiver got a hand on the ball that, that kind of kept him from making it. It seemed like there was at the at the point of contact there was a, there was a little bit of an intersection. The the second one, there was no doubt about it. When when you see a corner take the ball away, especially in this defense, because there are some things that that they do. They don't let you jump routes in this defense. Anybody that was watching the Baltimore-Houston game, they don't let a cornerback play like Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is a really talented player. Marcus Peters would not work in this defense. He takes too many chances. Yeah, it but was, you're right. And it, he seemed like he was gamble, freelancing. Right? Yeah. yeah, completely. He's he's like, this is the guy that I'm supposed to guard, and I'm going to sag off of him because I think I might be able to catch the quarterback sleeping. Seattle doesn't let its corners do that. I'll be interested to see kind of how the 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 story, the season long story with him goes in coverage. My my initial reaction, and I also realize that I'm in a very charitable mood given the the LJ Collier stop. I probably feel much differently about this if it had gone well. Was that you're missing two of your top five defensive backs against a team that threw it what 44 times? Like you're missing you're missing two of your top five DBs Quadri that you Diggs. expected to use probably most of the game, and you're missing Marquis Blair. Yeah, so uh, again, there's a lot of a lot of yards given up, 397 yards, 30 completions. Obviously, some big plays that were allowed, and you can see the strategy. But I think that what you're looking at is that uh, you know Cam Newton just had a great game. I mean, <clears throat> started slow, got his 11 carries, but then <clears throat> he started finding ways to get into the middle of the field, which they've got to tighten up and have basically Julian Edelman going against uh, you know Jamal Adams. Uh, and of course, the secondary was a little bit shaken up. You know, Marquise Blair he could be out for maybe the rest of the season. We'll see. He did suffer a knee injury, and then you had the uh, situation with Quandre Diggs. He gets suspended. Well, not suspended, but ejected from the game for a helmet hit. <clears throat> so now you're juggling things around, and things were out of sorts. I agree. I like what Clinton, Quentin Dunbar got better as the game went on, and he was good. And, of course, he did get his first interception as a Seahawk. That was encouraging. And then, you know, pass rush, you know, a little back and forth. But, again, it was going to be tough against Cam Newton. But, I don't know, DJ Wilder, it's like, do you think now everybody, because we're going to take some phone calls at 11 o'clock, you think everybody's now panicked about the defense and not you're not even thinking about the fact that they won the game and are 2-0? and I think. They're happy from the texters this morning. They're happy, of course, about being two and zero. And the Twitter reaction last night, everyone's happy about them being two and zero. But I think they're more worried about the defense just because of how many yards are given up. And I, and to me, it's not the secondary's fault. It's been the lack of pass rush. You know, it's been the combination of Benson Mayoa. Really, he he's playing almost every snap, really for the first time in his career. And he he's been, I think he's been good. But then you have. Bruce Irvin, Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, um, Brian Monet, you know, other guys on that D-line. Um, LJ Collier's looks like he's gotten a little bit of pressure, but I think really why they're giving up so many passing yards so far this season is just because of the lack of pass rush. You, you can have the best secondary, even in the Legion of Boom days, best se- one of the best secondaries we've ever seen. They couldn't cover forever if there was no pass rush, if somehow Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett weren't able to get to the quarterback, they could still give up chunks just because it's impossible for secondaries to cover for that long. And I think that's what most people are worried about. And also 
the fact that the Cowboys are coming into town. One, they had that crazy comeback win against the Falcons, so they have momentum going other than coming in here at 0-2 and possibly maybe quitting on Mike McCarthy already. But they have momentum coming in, and they're also averaging 358 yards passing yards per game so far just through two games. And I think people are really worried about that just because – on paper, their weapons are better than the Patriots passing-wise. You know, you have C.D. Lamb, who had 106 yards uh, yesterday on six catches. You also have, of course, Amari Cooper, their number one receiver. And then Michael Gallup is also a solid number two as well. You know, they I, I think there's cause to be – there's definitely a reason to be worried right now, especially going into next week against the Cowboys, who have a lot of weapons for Dak to throw to. And Dak has looked pretty good, especially yesterday in um, these first two games. Uh I don't think we should be worried about the secondary, but just be, I think we could be worried about the lack of pass rush to help yeah. that secondary. And it would really hurt if Bruce Irvin's going to miss some time too, because they needed him uh, to both you know play strong side linebacker and also to rush the quarterback. And uh, you know he that knee injury, and I, and that was kind of the interesting part because with no fans in the stands, I mean you just heard him scream when he suffered that knee injury, oh, which was yeah. kind of scary. And that's why you kind of wonder how bad it's going to be. I mean he tweeted out last night that. That, uh, he says, okay, I'm okay, uh, 12s. And so it's like, well, we'll see. But uh, no update on him coming from Pete Carroll this morning at 930. We'll hear the later update coming at, uh, you know, we'll get that at about 3 when he has his press conference. But I think overall, the, again, you take away the, the victory. And again, the numbers will start to clear itself up. But this is a league-wide thing. I mean, if you look down in the first 31 games of the season, Right, league wide, there's uh, uh, the average score is now 50.1 points, right? Over 50 points a game, and again, I think that goes to the idea that you know you have some talented quarterbacks, you also have some real good, uh, you know, the passing right now, and the tackling hasn't been good. You know, it's a league wide. Again, it's it's one of those phenomena. But here's the key for Seattle: if you can somehow don't care about the score, don't care about that, just come out and get the win, and all of a sudden you're three and zero. Things will start to ease up. And I mean, what I mean by easing up is that uh, you start to face some of the young quarterbacks or some of the quarterbacks who aren't all that good, you know, because game four is going to be, you know, Miami and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then they get to play Kirk Cousins, who was absolutely horrible yesterday. I mean, what uh, they had less than 200 yards and they had three interceptions. Horrible game. And so, uh, you know, if you can come back four and one or five and oh by the bye week, you're still looking in good shape. But you're needing to do this because right now this is the best division in football by far to a point where you know you've got uh, seven and one record with the teams in the division it's amazing to see how that's going to go and of course you can tell your smart speaker to play 710 espn seattle remember you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app coming up next we'll check in with bob condota the seattle times john clayton show 710 espn seattle it's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And joining us is uh, Bob Condota, the Seattle Times. And so I guess, Bob, what do you make of that crazy 35-30 game in which the Seahawks had to get a stop at the one-yard line to win? Well, I make that I always know the Seahawks are going to make our lives as difficult as possible up there in the press box. So just when you're writing your, you know, Russell Wilson, the magician story, you're all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, what if they lose this? <laughs> you got to write like five sentences 
of, of what happened, you know, how they lost and stuff like that. So it, I, just another typical, typical night. And like Pete Carroll said, it's, it's too bad that he couldn't have fans there because it would have been another one for the, another one for the ages. It was anyway, but it, but it really would have been one if, if people had been there. But, you know, I, Russell Wilson and, um, just, being unbelievable. I mean, we may be on the first to seeing one of the greatest individual athletic seasons in Seattle sports history. Not that Russell hasn't turned in a few of those already, but, um, uh, you know, if he just continues this, it's going to be unbelievably fun to watch. And, and the defense obviously has, has some work to do, but they had some issues last night with Quadre Diggs being thrown out early. And, and I think you see the value of, of some of the really experienced guys on defense and, and what it's like when they're not out there. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, how serious do you think the two injuries are to the knees? Uh, to me, it looked like it could have been an ACL for Marquise Blair. And I don't know what to make of the Bruce Irvin knee injury. Yeah, I I mean I, I think that's the assumption is Blair is going to be out for quite a while if not the season. You know, Pete obviously is going to hedge a little bit on that until they know for sure because there's really no reason not to, I guess. Uh, but you know, when he's saying that we're going to have to count on Hugo Abadi for a bit, you know, that's a pretty big sign that they're not expecting. You know, that they're expecting bad news there. Yeah, the Urban one was harder to read. Uh, you know, Pete seems pretty optimistic about it after the game, and Bruce sent out a tweet saying he was fine and stuff like that, but. You know, the day after is always the more critical day, and I thought Pete seemed a little more uh, pessimistic about it on his radio show this morning, saying you know he was that he definitely got banged up. So we'll see on that. That uh, um, you know they've got Alton Robinson, the, the the rookie who hasn't been active the last the first two games. Uh, if Irvin's out at all, he's he's a guy you're going to see uh, probably get into the rotation there. And then who knows if they'd have to go out and, and look somewhere to at least add a add a veteran to the practice squad or something like that to have some depth. Do you get the feeling that they will try to make a move on Clay Matthews? Well, he's certainly a guy that's there. I mean, yeah, and, and could fill exactly that role, couldn't he? So I, I, that would be a really interesting, interesting name. Plus, we're past the we're past the the first week of the season now, where you don't have to guarantee veterans' contracts. So it would be a natural it would be a natural uh, thing to go explore for sure if they if they think Irvin's going to be out much. Yeah, I'd have to think they got to look at it. I know he has a price, <clears throat> and he was not going to play for less than the price. And I think the you know my my way of thinking it was like five million dollars on a one year deal, and so now you already have two paychecks taken out of that. I think that's got to be a solid consideration, and it has to be a fast one because they're going to need him to try to get here as quick as possible for the game coming up uh, on the uh, on Sunday against Dallas. Yeah, you've got to go through the COVID testing, so. That's something you would have to do immediately um, if, if you're going to get that done, which is probably something for fans to uh, think about this year because you're going to see signings typically. I think early in the week if you're going to see them for for any team that wants a player to help that help help that help out that week um, for sure. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they pursue something like that. You know, it's too bad Daryl Taylor remains uh, remains out, and it doesn't sound like there's any you know any real hope he's going to be back anytime soon. Um, so they for sure, I think, would have to go explore something like that if Irvin's going to miss any significant amount of time. Yeah, no question. That has to be under the, the big consideration. What's your thoughts on the secondary and the pass rush? Well, the, you know, the secondary, uh, you give the benefit of the doubt uh, quite a bit for not having Quandre Diggs and not having Marquise Blair and having, you know, Lionel Hill have to step in. And I, You know, I, I, think, I think we see Lionel Hill is really good against the run, and that's one of the things I really like about him, and we saw that on that last play. I mean, the way he threw his body in, to, to help break up the, you know, to, to break up the, the the lead block there and allow for the space for Jose Collier to come in, you know that's what they really like about him. Um, 
you know, there's been some struggles, obviously, in the, in the, in the past defense and, guys, and things get behind guys the last couple of weeks when, when, um, when they haven't had, uh, you know, the full complement out there when they've had, you know, and especially last night when, when, when Quandre was out for the while, then, you know, without Marquise, you had to put out Ugo Amadi in there and, and Amadi, I thought, played really well. Uh, but, you know, the, without Diggs, I think the whole thing gets a little out of whack at times. And I think the Patriots, you saw them take advantage of that. But, you know, I think you saw a shift in their philosophy from the second quarter on in, in New England, both when they, I think they thought, hey, the secondary's banged up a little bit. Let's go after that. Plus the fact that the Seahawks were shutting down their run game pretty well. So it's going to have to be quite a different game um, in terms of that. You know, New England, a 44 to 25 pass to run ratio from what we thought, I think, we were going to see coming into it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, of course, you, you brought up the idea of Russell Wilson. I would have to think once again with the five touchdown passes and his incredible completion percentage and what he completed 75% of his passes last night that uh, he's got to be once again the uh, offensive uh, player of the week in the NFC just like he was last year. For sure. And uh, I was thinking to try, I, I don't know how I would delineate this, but if, you, if there was some way to figure out the highest passer rating ever for a guy who got credited for a for a pick six in a game, um, you know, to come back from that, and obviously it wasn't Russell's fault, but to come back from that play early in the game and then and then still put together that kind of a stat line and quarterback rating is just unbelievable. You know, one thirty two point one, one of the highest, one of the highest of his careers. Um, still, despite how many high ones he's had, and you know, he had a much higher one last week because he didn't have an interception. But uh, yeah, it's it's harder to imagine he could play better right now. And uh, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, you know, there's probably some angst over that final third down pass and stuff like that. But I think it I think that spoke to how well Russell's playing in a way that he thought this is just like a pitch and catch kind of play to try to throw it 30 yards downfield to Tyler Lockett and all that. But you know, as Pete said today, he he, he read the defense properly, saw that it was cover zero. There's, you know, Lockett's got the bad coverage. Uh, a couple of the underneath routes he wanted to throw weren't there, and so let's go ahead and take a shot at it. And, and you know, they still almost hit it. And um, you know, if they had, it would have just been an incredibly fitting capper to the whole thing. But you know, I think it, it shows where Russell is right now. Just um, Pete, that thought made an interesting. Um, comment about that this morning, you know, saying he, he's not sure he's ever played with more conviction. And, uh, you know, I think it just shows that Russell in his ninth year, his third year working with Schottenheimer, I think just has full confidence in everything that he's doing out on the field. I know one thing that I was charting last night was, uh, you know, how well they did on first down. And <clears throat> I, I know for, for almost three quarters, there was only like about, uh, I think, what, five, six times uh, where there's six, there were six times or five times where it was longer than a second and four, and three of those times were because of penalties. And so it's like on on the offensive line or on offense, and that's the thing that I think if they can clean that up, I mean, you can see that uh, if you can get six yards or so on first down, uh, you can really do a lot of great things. And I think that's one thing that's a big improvement, although, again, it was a setback as far as the penalties. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the league-wide numbers on penalties. Obviously, when you're covering one game, you don't watch everything quite as closely. But um, I know last week penalties were real down. There was sort of a perception that maybe the officials had been had been told to err on the side of caution with with throwing a lot of flags with it, with nobody having had preseason games. And you know, let's not turn the games into a flag fest if we don't have to. And maybe they maybe they kind of corrected that a little bit this week and and, and went back to sort of just calling everything. So um, I think maybe that led to it a little bit too. The Seahawks obviously had some weird calls. I mean. You know, sort of some unique ones with the, um, you know, like the Tyler Lockett crackback call, which is sort of a new rule. Um, you know, so maybe maybe there are people who question that, but I think I think if you look at that, that's the, that's completely within the rule. And then, you know, they just and then they just had some obvious false start kind of things that you just can't have. I mean, those are obviously the ones you really got got to get rid of. Yeah, no doubt. So. Uh... 
now it's a matter of getting ready for the Dallas Cowboys. What I thought the the, the thing that also looked good too, and it, it kind of under the radar. You know, I know after week one, the talk was I thought that they need to improve their run defense. Their run defense was has been really good in giving up. Uh, you know, a few yards. That's why, for example, here they are giving up all these yards. You know, four hundred plus against Matt Ryan in the air. 397 to Cam Newton, yet they're 23rd in defense because they're holding teams down for running yards or running plays. Yeah, well, and, and the, so the Patriots had 14 runs by their running backs last night, and none of them went for longer than five yards. So it's 14, 14 carries for 20 yards for the uh, for the uh, three running backs, Michelle Burkhead and Taylor. There, and, you know, they had they, those guys had had a couple of those guys had had real nice games the week before um, against Miami when you know you, you, you kind of overplay Cam Newton maybe and he hands it off or whatever in their space there, but they played it really well. I think I think there was total discipline and you know if maybe a couple of times a couple of passes got away or whatever. I think when it came to the front seven. And, 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 and everybody really, um, you know, in sort of the discipline and where to be in defending the run with Cam and, and the way they were going to do things. It was obvious they really concentrated on that and emphasized that in practice this week. And, and you know, Cam didn't have a run longer than 13 and, you know, held to just uh, 4.3 per carry. Obviously, he had three or four carries from the one-yard line where you're not going to get much, I guess, anyway. But still, I, you know, it, it seemed like they did about as good a job on that as you could do. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what did you think of uh, uh, Chris Carson and how well he did, and also uh, Carlos Hyde? Yeah, I, you know, and, and we saw early, and I think we all wrote a little bit, like I expect this game to be a little bit more balanced in, in, in the run-to-pass thing, and it was almost perfectly balanced, you know, with the um, 30, 30 official attempts, 28 passes, but a few of those attempts are, are Russell scrambles, so it was probably more like uh you know, a 33 to 25 or so pass to run ratio, which which is still maybe a little bit higher than the Seahawks have been in the past. They're probably fitting, obviously, uh, you know, what their strengths are right now um, with with Russell throwing the ball and, and with the way they want to go. But still, it was you know, it was obvious early, as in particular, that I think they wanted to establish the run and get Chris Carson going a little bit. And, and it was you know, sort of tough. They, they definitely got it out some tough yards there in doing that. And it overall turned out to be a good game. But, you know, Carson, I mean, nine receptions on nine targets this year. He's got three touchdown receptions already. Um, you know, he's so in that aspect of his game, too, which these days in the NFL, if you're going to be a running back, you know, he's entering in the final year of his contract. And, and I think if he, if he can show people, look, maybe I won't gain, you know, quite as many rush yards if we throw the ball more this year, but I can still be a really big part of the offense by catching it. You know, that makes you really valuable. Yep, but, but of course, uh, as, as you mentioned early, it's like uh, you know the way these games go now. It's like uh, it's hard to hard to get the lead set when things are going down to the last minute and with all these crazy things going on. It's just a wild start to this season. Yeah, it has been. I mean, and mentioned Dallas and the unbelievable win they got yesterday against against Atlanta, and you know it looked like they were dead in the water early in that, and then just an amazing comeback to to get to figure that out. Um, you know. It, it's uh, it's kind of the Seahawks' way. I mean, we saw them win ten games, you know, with within one possession last year, and so now they're one and zero this year and doing that. And and uh, but I think this team is. I'm still holding on to the idea. I think this team might be better than last year, especially when you know you don't have weird things happen like Andre Diggs getting ejected early. Um, but you know, I think the defense will be a little bit. You know, I think the defense will. Uh, assuming maybe you know they can overcome these injuries and, and maybe no more happen or whatever, but. You know, I still think the defense has a chance to be better than last year, and and if that happens, you know, I, I think this is a team that, that may maybe can have a few more easier games at times at times this year than they had last year. Yeah, no doubt. Rebob Condota, the Seattle Times. Bob, thank you, and hope to see you a little bit later. 
Okay, thanks a lot, John. Alrighty, and of course, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to get behind the lines and get you updated on what's going on in the National Football League. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. So a crazy day in the National Football League and a day that what you're looking back at is injuries, injuries, injuries. I mean, so many ACL tears. Uh, I thought, and it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers kind of figure out how to get through this because, you know, they're a team that uh, has drafted five defensive lineman in the first round in the last six years and now all of a sudden you know and they also made a trade they traded for d ford and so d ford missed a game with a neck injury they had uh nick boza he's out for the season with an acl tear they think that solomon thomas may have the same thing and he could be out for the season jimmy garoppolo has a high ankle sprain at uh you know caused him to probably miss four to six weeks Raheem Mozart was uh, out with an MCL injury, and they have to go back to the Meadowlands. They were complaining in the MetLife Stadium that it was kind of grabbing at their legs uh, and causing problems. And, you know, Zach Banner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who got the job at right tackle, he tore an ACL last week. And, you know, here's the Jets. They had four injuries, nothing as serious as what the 49ers went through. But uh, this 49er team could be in trouble. Now, again, it was pretty good on them to be able to go with Nick Mullins, the quarterback, and get an easy. 31 to 13 victory over a horrible Jets team but what you have to wonder about is that can they keep pace with all these injuries you know because they've had what eight starters that are out right now uh, and not going to be back in the next week or so so I don't know uh, DJ this is a situation where you know we all wondered is Seattle better than the 49ers in this division and at the moment the way things could end up the 49ers could end up in last place. Yeah, it's due to, due to very unfortunate circumstances. When we were talking about the whole offseason, have the Seahawks caught up to the 49ers? Or, you know, have the, are the Cardinals going to be the most improved team in the NFC? Can they be better than the 49ers and all that? It's, it looks like they might be just due to unfor, just unfortunate circumstances right now. But at the end of the day, they still might end up being 2-1 and because I can't imagine still, even with Nick Mullins starting, they still have enough decent players. Jordan Reed looked really good for them at the tight end position. After he hasn't really played in two years, I think they could still pull off a win against the Giants, and they'll be two and one after this. I mean, John, the, the NFC West—it's not out of the question that all four teams, especially if the 49ers, can get healthy somewhat. All four teams can make the uh, the playoffs. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, so uh, it and and again, this seven and one start is considered to be one of the best ones. And what you're looking at is that uh, you know the benefactors are the ones right now because I know I put this into the Seahawk mix as far as figuring things out. Is that if you're playing the NFC East and the AFC East, which they are, I mean, you have a great chance to go six and two, maybe seven and one, or maybe better uh, in those non-division games. And uh, you know, Seattle did. Take care of business and winning the Atlanta game. That was a non-common game. They got Minnesota in Week Five, and so uh, depending on how this game goes against the Dallas Cowboys, what it could come down to is that if you're like seven and one, or if you're going to go like nine and one, you know you got to find a way to somehow win three, four games in the division. But I think that's all in play. But you know, boy, I mean, Arizona was so impressive these first two weeks. They looked really good with Kyler Murray. And I'll tell you what, I missed it on the Rams. The Rams are better than I thought. Now they caught an Eagle team that's just really 
off right now. You know, Carson Wentz is off to a horrible start. Last week he was sacked eight times. He threw two interceptions, but Jared Goff came in, threw a couple touchdown passes. You know, Arizona looks real good. And, of course, Seattle right now, Russell Wilson, you know, they talk about the MVP. I think at the moment he is the leading candidate by far. Definitely, and we'll get some to some sound later in the report card that I want you to hear, John, about someone else's hot take of who they think the NFL MVP is. It's not Russell Wilson. But, anyways, the Cardinals could very easily be, not very easily, Detroit will be a tough tough matchup, but they could be 5-0. and Because uh, they after Detroit, they, they go to Carolina and then to the Jets. They could very easily be 5-0, and which makes this division a lot tougher. And then the Rams next week have a very tough matchup with the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. But they could win that game, too. The NFC West is just absolutely – it's the best division in football. I don't know how anyone else could see it any other way. And I, I'm i having a really hard time trying to figure out who's better between the Rams and the Cardinals because they're better in just different ways. The Rams are – other than la- rather than last year, they're getting it done with their defense as well. Yeah. Their offense looked really good yesterday. It didn't look great against Dallas, but their defense is really starting to step up with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and other guys contributing. And – Arizona, I mean, there isn't much to say other than Kyler Murray just looks spectacular. There's still some questions about their defense, of course, but they're kind of able to get to, to get to the passer. Chandler Jones has a lot a lot more help on the D-line now. They're secondary with guys like Buda Baker and uh, Byron Murphy stepping up to young guys in that secondary that are just getting better and better every week. I mean, it's really hard to decipher who really is the best team in the NFC West right now. Oh, it really is. Uh, we know the best quarterback, but then what you could say is that uh, you know all four teams have good quarterbacks. Then you've got very few divisions that can say that. But then, of course, it changes now with San Francisco because you know they have Nick Mullins, who I think is a very good backup, but he's a backup. You know, Again, Jared Goff's off to a good start. But overall, I thought that uh, this was a, a real good show that uh, they're able to go with and you know get some good things going. Is Kyler Murray a legit MVP candidate right now, John? Uh, right now, I guess you can say that, yeah. Because, but, but of course, what's interesting is that we talk about what's going on in the uh, NFC and, and what's going on in this division. How about the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, you know, the, it's interesting to see in the A in the AFC. I think you have three really good teams: Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Kansas City. Those teams are really good. But you know, can uh, it's now six consecutive games where Patrick Mahomes has had to bring his team back from double-digit deficits. Six straight games, and then what you look at is that uh, you know you've got this uh, Lamar Jackson and that team just dominating anybody they play. They definitely look like the best team in the NFL, even with as good as the Chiefs have looked, even though they've had to come back from deficits, of course. And you can even say the Seahawks have looked good. The Packers have looked really good. But the Ravens, I mean, where, where are the holes on their team? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they look they they just look sensational. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see how that kind of bounces back and where it goes. But overall, it's kind of kind of a fun start to the season. But it is so strange. And again, the injury situation was just brutal yesterday. I mean, I, I was I'm, I'm, I am going to count. I think probably there may be 30 starters that won't be able to play in week three. And if that's going to be the case, because you know, it's, it was trending a little bit more than last year, but not as much as, say, the previous couple of years before that, as far as missed starts and I keep track of that I bet you that there's going to be at least 25 to 30 starters that aren't going to be in the lineup this week and many of them may not be back for a long period of time is it possible that week three could look the same John because we got to think this is all based off really they haven't they didn't have any preseason game action so they weren't really being hit until week one since they don't really hit each other in practice 
could we really see these type of this amount of injuries happen again in week three and onward oh yeah you can because you know this was expected i mean jc treader the president of the uh, players association brought up the idea that if you have no offseason uh program which of course they didn't back in 2011 during the lockout there was a 44 percent increase in hamstring injuries double the amount of uh Achilles tendon tears, and then uh, you know some, and probably, and I, I count up fifty some ACL tears. And what you're seeing is there's soft tissue injuries and other big injuries happening. So no, I definitely think that uh, you know this could continue for a couple of weeks, and we might have one of the most injury plagued seasons we've seen maybe in NFL history. That's just sad, John. Of course, now this all happened because of obviously a pandemic that you can't really predict, you know. But it's really unfortunate, and so far. Besides Marquise Blair, who it sounds like he is going to be out for a while. Who knows if it's going to be season ending? But Pete Carroll in the Pete Carroll show didn't sound wildly optimistic about Marquise Blair. It might sound like Bruce Irvin could miss some time. But so far, knock on wood, the Seahawks have been able to miss the injury bug so far. Mm-hmm. Unlike the 40, teams like the 49ers or like the Broncos. The Broncos are getting ravaged by injuries right now. But yes, I... It's unfortunate, but we can definitely expect more injuries like this just because of the lack of uh, play in the pre. There was no preseason and lack of conditioning so far. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, so it'll be interesting. All right, we're going to take your phone calls and get your reaction to the two and zero start last night's game. Your uh, applause, your concerns. Give give us a call. It's. 866-979-3776 and 206-421-3776, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.